This is Almost 107, a Fanshawe College Journalism student podcast. Get real. It is with the deepest of sorrow that we learn today of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. September 19th, that is the state funeral for Queen Elizabeth II. We are all devastated by the news that we have just heard from Balmoral. Many say that her death marks the end of an era. So how will this affect Canada? How is the monarchy going to change in this world full of uncertainty and questions? Hello, I'm Hazel Pang. On this episode, let us look into the changes of the monarchy in future Canada. From how the new king is installed, to peeking into the relationship between the monarchy and the indigenous communities. I have invited Western PhD student in political science, Sam Routley, to share some of his opinions on the topic. We'll also have Lisa Quincy and Chris Hanna from the Institute of Indigenous Learning in Fanshawe to share us how they feel about the monarchy. This is Almost 107 Podcast. Canada has been a monarchy for centuries. The land was first ruled by the First Nations peoples, then from the rulings of the kings of France, then under the British crown. Canada is now finally a country in its own rights. Decades have been taken to the evolution of Canada into full independence, starting from the doctrine of discovery, which enabled the crown to claim sovereignty over indigenous peoples and land. Canada has started its history in being colonized. Then with the Constitution Act in 1982, it patriated the British North America Act in 1867 to Canada. This ended any Canadian dependence on the Parliament of Westminster and further defined its complete independence. Now that the Queen has died, King Charles III has become the new monarch. The Queen was really popular among the general public. Many describe her as the last link between British former colonies and a British crown. According to a recent Ipsos poll conducted on behalf of Global News, we see people start questioning the necessity of the monarchy. Around half of the respondents agree that now as the Queen's reign has ended, Canada should sever ties to the British monarchy. Six in ten agree that the king and the royal family should not have any formal role in Canadian society, as they are simply celebrities. So what exact roles do the monarchy have in Canada right now? Western political science PhD student Sam Routley says that the power of the monarchy is more than only being symbolic. I'd say that um, the monarchy has always been and continues to be fundamental when it comes to Canada's uh, sort of formal legal makeup in the sense that it's the principle underlying Canada's kind of constitutional system, right? That the idea is that the sovereignty of the Canadian state, right? It's, it's right to, to do things, to make policies that affect our lives comes from the crown and ultimately flows down from the crown. But with that being said, the impact of the monarchy as a kind of powerful cultural force has, has been undermined, right? That if 
if you look back at Canada was kind of started and founded as as this kind of British outpost it was seen as this that that as a government and as a society would, would kind of perpetuate a you know British civilization and, and part of that was was the monarchy in the sense of, of British tradition and 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 deference to authority and I think since the 50s or so Canada's gone through some quite incredible changes um, that have undermined the attachment that, that people have to the, to the monarchy. With people questioning the necessity of the monarchy, 6 in 10 in the Ipsos poll agree that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau should hold a referendum on the future of the monarchy, although Trudeau said earlier that any attempts to abolish the monarchy are not likely to happen. He emphasized that Canadians should not worry about the overarching stability of institutions, because they are embodied by structures that have been in place for centuries. Sam also added why he thinks that the monarchy will not be abolished. There's a big difference between sort of a dislike and active disdain of the monarchy and an and and apathy, and I feel like Canadians are more apathetic to it. Rather than being driven by a dislike, a, a desire to remove it, it's, it's, they're, they're feeling to it is more so that, that it doesn't have a much of an impact on their lives. And given that, I think that you're not going to see any real um, actions taken by the government or anyone else to, to kind of move past the monarchy, uh, just because the, the constraints are so high, uh, it, it would require the approval of, of all the provinces and, and the federal government, not just to agree on, on separation, but to agree on exactly what sort of political system will follow. Um, and the fact that the, the, the political momentum is not there. There's not enough of a public desire to, to overturn it, I think, especially given the fact that there's a set of issues in Canada, uh, you know, whether those are economic or social, that, that I think are, are much more at the forefront of people's attention and, 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 and they place a higher premium on, on governments and parties accomplishing those goals. Rather than, rather than this kind of constitutional wrangling. Even if the referendum is not likely to happen, does it mean that the new king will ascend smoothly? Well, according to the Ipsos poll, we see that Canadians don't see Kings Charles III and Camilla the Queen Consort that favorable, especially when compared to the Queen because she was so popular. Sam pointed out that the personal popularity of the monarchs is an interesting factor. Elizabeth managed to to convey such a sense of personal attachment uh, rather than this kind of institutional legitimacy. And I mean, the new king's task is to somehow restore trust and faith in the, in, in the monarchy as an institution. Uh, and it seems like a large part of that will be to kind of convey himself and, and generate that level of public um, support and enthusiasm that his mother had. What is also interesting is about the Canadian identity. Unlike other former British colonies, Canadians seems to be more apathetic about the monarchy. At the same time, we see other places like Australia, Jamaica, and Bermuda are debating whether to cut ties with the British crown. Sam explained that one thing that makes up the Canadian identity is indeed the monarchy. The monarchy is very much tied into this question of, of Canadian identity and 
what constitutes the Canadian nation and what its aim should be, right? Is that, like I said, is that the country was originally seen as not American. It was seen as this kind of separate North American culture that separated, that was distinct from America in the sense that it continued this British heritage. And since the, it's always been around, but particularly in the 1960s, you had the, this articulation of this distinct Canadian identity right? that, that was rooted rather than being rooted in this British tradition was based around these shared set of values um, around, you know, individual rights and multiculturalism, um, for example, right? And that if and that rather than being Canadian through your British heritage, it was the fact that anyone could, could become Canadian insofar as they subscribe to these set of values, much more abstract values. And given the fact that those values were prioritized egalitarianism and individual sort of possessive individualism. So highly, I mean, the, the notion of, a, of an institution like monarchy that's grounded in privilege and, and authority, right, and deference, it's, it's hard to square with that. Um, and it's led to this sort of uh, apathy, right, that, that, that's developed over time and is becoming more severe, it seems like. So what will be the challenge for the king right now? Earlier, the First Nations Leadership Council asked King Charles to renounce the Doctrine of Discovery as his first official act. The doctrine was created by the Catholic Church in 1452, justifying the stealing of land from indigenous people, allowing Great Britain and France to get land in North America. The call actually draws the new monarch to take a greater part in reconciliation in Canada. We see that the relationship between the monarchy and the indigenous community has always been a huge topic. Sam says that this will be a big challenge for King Charles. That's another complication to the constitutional picture, right? The reason why I don't think Canada is all, the reason why I don't ever see Canada separating is because um, exactly how would that new Canadian state interact with Indigenous people is unclear, right? Given that that Indigenous people in Canada and the Crown have a direct relationship that's outside of the Canadian state in the sense that most of the treaties, you have the, the constitutional grounding from the Royal Proclamation, and you also have the fact that the majority of treaties um, that continue to, that are upheld in Canadian law and continue to structure those relations were done in the name of the Crown, you know? So there's definitely this, important function that that while I think the monarchy has a has a connection to indigenous people through through their connection to the way they they ground the Canadian state there's also this separate relationship outside of the Canadian state and I mean there's certainly something to be said for these symbolic actions but I mean what, what it comes down to is the fact it's that it's that the formal grounding itself, the institution itself, and its legitimacy itself, um, may be too, too contaminated with, or might inter intersect with colonialism too much. Right? That its fundamental grounding as a binding force is compromised. And I mean, I, I think the project of reconciliation has, has kind of been about, um, in a sense, returning or, or realizing. The, the, the original spirit of those treaties and of the relationship, which is that, that rather than one party being an authority over the other, it's ultimately this nation-the-nation -nation relationship, a, a sense of mutual respect. And I feel like if, 
that's certainly something that the royal family and that Charles can, can pursue in the coming years. While Canadians either favor or are apathetic about the monarchy, we see that it's not the same case for the First Nations peoples. The indigenous community sees the story completely different from the Western perspective. Lisa Clancy is a knowledge keeper. She is Ojibwe and Onyeda. Liz says that colonization from the crown has done harm to their people. He's not my king. <clears throat> All this they're doing is uh, continuing to do what they did since 1492 and, and continue to not acknowledge us. What I understand, now he's the richest man in all the world because he owns land. How did he get that land? He stole it from people of color. So it wasn't like they just went out and bought it. So um, they owe us big time. They're the ones that helped to colonize us. And um, so now he's the king of colonizing. Because before it was his mother, the queen of colonizing. They're, they're the ones that created colonization in this country. They're the ones that uh, continue to, to take from us and never give us anything back. Chris Hanna, the academic advisor from the Institute of Indigenous Learning in Fanshawe, is Mitis. She says that the way the First Nations people and the colonizers perceive the concept of land is the cause of the big difference. I guess I would like to see him consider how he can uphold the treaties. Not that the treaties are that great to begin with because I think many if not all of them were made under duress um, with a lack of understanding from from I think indigenous side of what those meant and how those were going to look like because we have fundamentally different understandings of what land is for you know in in our communities we are the land and the land is us but from a Western perspective, land is something to be bought and sold. And so if you buy and sell land, then you also buy and sell us. And so the way that we interpret the treaties, I think, is also very different. So what do they expect from the monarchy? Is there anything that the monarch can do to resolve the relationship with the indigenous communities? Both Liz and Chris are pessimistic about it. I don't expect anything from them <clears throat> because they don't tell the truth, they don't follow through, and they know in their history what they've done to First Nations people in North America. And, and it's for as far as Canada goes, they supported colonization, they supported oppression, <clears throat> and they also supported to get rid of my relatives across this country. And uh, what they could do is give us our money and our land back that they stole from us so that we could have our own cultural and educational institutions to teach the next generation of who they are, teach them their ceremonies, their language, their medicines, their dances, and their songs. Because those are all things that the monarchy, along with the federal government, took away from us as a people. Will they do it? Probably not. They don't have no connection over here. How they treat people of color in their own country is still oppressive. And uh, so if they're not doing it over there, what makes you think that they would come and honor what they have done to us? They're not even owning it. I am not worried about it. Like, I don't think they have much relevance at this point in time outside of the fact that he now represents the crown, which is a signatory to many treaties in Canada. So 
there are lots of treaties that were made between the Crown of England and different First Nations and Métis and Inuit communities. And so he now represents the settler half of those treaties, which were not fulfilled ever. <laughs> so he now represents to a lot of Indigenous people, a lot of First Nation, Métis, Inuit people, unfulfilled treaties. And so I think that is something that I would like to see him wrestle with, but I don't know that we will see that. The world has been really unstable these few years. We see wars, disasters, diseases, and also politics. The Queen as a monarch has led the UK and many countries through different difficulties and challenges. Now as the king is getting ready for his ascent, let us hope that he will be able to regain the trust and faith of the people. Although Canadians are somehow apathetic about the monarchy, it is still a great component of the Canadian identity. Meanwhile, we see a big difference in the First Nations people's identity and the Canadians. They perceive the monarchy in a totally different way. The First Nations peoples are of course important stakeholders of the Canadian society. So the biggest challenge right now for King Charles will probably be gaining popularity here in Canada and trying to resolve the relationship with the indigenous communities. Let us wait and see. I'm Hazel Pang. Thanks for listening to Almost 107 Podcasts.